Hello and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. I'm Aaron and Brie is being a diligent student and studying today, but I am joined by the multi-talented author Mia Heitzelman. Mia, please tell us how your 2022 has been so far. Um, It's been pretty good, pretty uh, busy actually. I've just turned in two books, um, writing and almost finished with the next one. And then I've got another one to start by the end of the this year. So it's pretty busy with writing. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of deadlines right in a row there. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, are you ready to get into some icebreakers? Yes, I am absolutely ready. I've been excited about this. We've and- been really excited to have you. You know, uh, Brie was telling me when, when we actually scheduled that uh, Denise has been telling us to have you on for a while now. Oh, that is so nice. I'm so happy that she's been saying that, but also that you all wanted me on. So I'm pretty proud and honored to be here. Oh, well, it's, it's great to have you. Well, what is one of your guiltless pleasures? Okay, so lately, it's just been buying bookish tchotchkes, like anything that has bookish type stuff on it, candles, bookmarks. Um, I have a, po- a typewriter post-it note holder, all these bookish mugs, all these things. And I even have some little bookish earrings. So uh, I've just oh. been buying all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So just just little bookish decorations and, and handy things all over the mm-hmm. place, huh? Yes, it makes me feel so good. And it just really makes me feel like it's all part of my brand and happiness and something that's just for me. Does it set the mood for writing for you? I do have a candle that I'm waiting <laughs> to start this new book that I'm going to uh, start. And I have the candle ready and waiting for me. So then it's really going to be like, you know, an event when I start this book. I'm going to have a oh, line. Yeah. Serious business. Yes. It's, just, it's called a book. It's, it's the scent. It's called book. And oh, so okay. Now, does it does it smell like, um, you know, the, the, old, the old glue from like, you know, the <laughs> 80s book bindings and stuff? Yes. I mean, you go in the library and you just smell. It's kind of like... It doesn't smell like mildew, but it just smells right. like paper that's aged for a bit with a little bit of glue, like you said. <laughs> it smells better than that, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> what is one of the best purchases you've treated yourself to this year? Uh, not really anything specifically, but the vacations that we've been doing. Um, we hadn't been able to vacation for a while with the pandemic, and so now We've gone back on a cruise for two weeks, and that was awesome. We're going on the Polar Express again in November. I'm excited about that. And this weekend, this past weekend, we went to Big Bear. So that was nice. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like you're really making up for it then. Yes. I mean, I've been missing the experiences. I mean, Amazon has really (laughs) taken care of me through the pandemic with deliveries. So that takes care of all the tangible products, but the vacations and the experiences that we have with family and friends that I had been missing. So where did you go on a cruise to? I have to know. Oh, we did the Mexican Riviera. So it was really nice. We went to Mazatlan, Puerto Vallarta, and Cabo San Lucas. San Lucas. Oh, oh wow. It must have been wonderful. Yes. And it, the water was gorgeous and it was lots of sun. And I electronically detoxed for that time. So that was nice. That's wonderful. Yeah. It's good to good to 
have that that separation and detox, definitely. Yes, you come back fresh. What would be the first song on the soundtrack to your life? I thought about this for a hot minute because I was like, there's so many songs I love and I love music. But then I thought about um, I Hope You Dance with Leanne Womack. Oh, that song. I really feel like that. You know, you live with faith, you dance a little, you work on the things, but you always remember to dance and have fun in the progress process. Yeah. And that's a great song. Definitely. Now yeah. I, I have to ask, have you had traditional training in singing? Because it sounds like you have. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, if you count the acoustics in the shower, that is <laughs> about as much training as I've had. <laughs> and in this family, you have to be really loud in order to be heard. So I guess I'm used to yelling and using my vocal cords. So <laughs> maybe that's the training. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> well, you do great. So Thank just you. my two cents there. <laughs> I'll take that. And I'm going to tell my sister who thinks she sings better than I do. Well, what is your romance origin story? Okay. So my story, it never feels like what I hear other people talking about because I feel like everybody else was like 11 and 13 hiding in their, you know, with their grandmother's stash mm-hmm. of books and reading and just really falling in love. And that just didn't happen to me. I felt a little cheated that it didn't happen to me. But most of mine, um, I was always academic. And then I found women's fiction and chick lit. And then I was reading a Harlequin book. And in the back, it had an insert asking if I thought I could possibly be a writer for Harlequin. And I felt like it was actually a question to me. So after I read that, I started writing my first, um, my first novel and I was like, okay, maybe I can do this. And it really kind of gave me the push that I needed. So, you know, I went to their website, found all these requirements and that sent me on a research hole. And I really wanted to understand the, the craft and the requirements for every book and how to do the process of plotting and everything. So that really got me going. But yeah, I wasn't hiding with my grandmother's Harlequins, unfortunately. So when when was it in life that you uh, you read your your first official romance romance novel, do you think? Oh, God, this makes me feel so bad. It was like, (laughs) I was like, maybe early 20s, like 22 or something that I got the first real one. So that's why I just felt like, oh, my journey was so different. I mean, I had written books before, but I wrote poetry and children's books. I'm an auntie of like 13 nieces and nephews. So I wrote children's book for them and I wrote poetry just because I always had like a love for it, but I had never tried my hand at writing the stories that I really wanted to hear. Well, Brie and I were late in life romance uh, to come to romance readers. So we, we Oh, good. I'm not alone. (laughs) (laughs) There are a few of us out there. Yeah. But it's like, once you discover it though, it's like, watch out. Where's the rest of them? I, here I come. I mean, my, my whole life is books. Now, everywhere you turn, there's like shelves full of books in this house. And so even though I started late, I'm making up for it by reading as much and as often and on all formats. It's it's like you can just speak for me there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like an audiobook in the car. I've got an ebook at night. I got the paperback in my purse. There's always a way for me to be reading. Absolutely. I love it. Well, you talked about this just a second ago. So 
Um, it leads right into the next question. So you've been a published author for a long time. And if I did my research right, The Black Words of Green Eyes published in 2001. What was it like having that book published? And, and was it your first or did you have any before that? Well, <laughs> I did have one book before, but it was not published, but I did win an award. It was in the third grade. Oh, well, congratulations. <laughs> I did. I won a trophy for it. It was called Darren and the Parrot. Then I had a family member tell me that writing was a horrible career choice because it didn't make any money. So I had a long detour from writing and everything. But then I got started again in early college, like in mid-1990s. And I wrote The Black Words of Green Eyes was my first published book. You are correct. And I'm so amazed at your research. <laughs> It was a compilation of poetry um, that I self-published, and it was pre-Amazon, Kindle era. Um, it was an actual printing press, so that was so different. I actually had to print out the documents, mail it in, and do the formatting manually. It was a lot of, of things that are not nowadays. Nowadays, you can have a book published tomorrow if you really yeah. want to. I mean, I can't say that it would be the highest quality, but it's possible. Well, color me impressed that you went through all of that labor to get that book out yourself. So yes. good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It was such a strange process, but I mean, I did feel really accomplished that I got it done, that I had a physical book in my hand that was bound and had my name on it. So that was like, I think that was the first time I really knew, okay, I really want to do this. I just have to figure out how to continue. Yeah. yeah. That kind of goes into it, but please share with us some of your author ups and downs as your career brought you to the present. Okay. <laughs> now I do always like to do the ups first because I like to focus on the positive. Mm -hmm. so I would definitely include, like I said, seeing my books in print. When you hold a book that you know you spent all this time and sweat and energy and family time doing and have it in your hand, that is like the best part. Um, then also when you finally get have readers who have read it and want to talk to you about it and you have immediately a connection because you are talking about the same characters and setting and you fell in love with it. Um, I love that part, finding the readers and my brand. Um, now the downs, it's all different forms of rejection, I would say, from querying and agents to just not find, like if you don't have the right readers or maybe you found some readers and they're not necessarily your readers. That can be heart disheartening sometimes, but I think I get um, get better every time I publish something, and and it's okay that not everyone likes my work because they may not be my reader. We hear all the time here on some you know very very accomplished authors that have you know hundred plus books. They talk about I still get rejections, you know, and it, it still yeah. it still stings too. <laughs> it never stops stinging because it's still you know it's it feels personal. And I do have to tell myself it is not personal. It's just saying maybe this is a wrong fit. Just like a book can be a wrong fit for a reader, it could be a wrong fit for an agent or a publisher. It just may not jive well. So I yeah. do tell myself that <laughs> to get myself going. And then I just keep writing. That's how I combat that. That's great advice, you know, especially to aspiring authors. 
Absolutely, because I do believe your writing can just get stronger if you keep writing and can and keep working on the craft part of it and just always learning something new. I have so many craft books, it's not even funny, but I love craft books because I can learn something new every time. I don't know everything there is to know, so hopefully my writing will just get better with every book. Talking about the book Finding the Right Reader, in February of 2022, the Friendship Contract released. Please give us the elevator pitch for this book. Okay. (laughs) I love elevator pitches because I'm long-winded. And so here's what I've got. Heartbroken and finding solace in the arms of her best friend, Allegra finds that those arms are strong, sexy, and remind her that she may always always have been, should have been in his arms. Something like that. (laughs) So it's friends, two friends who've had a long time coming. And now Uh, that she's brokenhearted, he may be the one to mend her heart. I I think he just might be. (laughs) Well, in the beginning of the book, Allegra is just walking into disaster and the reader just sees this coming and it, it's just a slow motion train wreck, which, which we absolutely love. Yes. How did you think up this opening? I'm the queen of what ifs. So I read this um, in a craft book, naturally. What if she finds a ring? And I'm like, but what if that ring is not for her? Then what would happen? And who would she go to to find some solace? So that's where my head immediately went. I'm always like, well, what what if this doesn't go according to plan? And it's not from this guy who's madly in love with her. What if it's from someone who isn't madly in love with her? And what if she's got to go find someone to help her mop up her tears? And what if he happened to be her best friend who she secretly had a crush on, who secretly had a crush on her? And then they had to travel to a wedding where they were going to be having forced proximity. (laughs) So yeah, that's where my head went. Always the what if it didn't go according to plan. So many wonderful things that we romance readers love in this book. Yes, fantastic in this book. (laughs) Well, like you said, the book is a a best friends to lovers story. Um, I usually don't reach for this trope, but you made me a believer with this book. What is the most important part of writing this trope? Well, first, thank you for saying that. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Um, I just think mainly it's the risk of losing the friendship for the possibility of more. So you've got this really strong, important friendship in person in your life. And if you go the romantic route and it doesn't work, could the friendship be lost? And that is the worst part that it could really that could really happen but it's organic because you have all these pieces for a beautiful romantic relationship but they've just never been assembled assembled this way before so that's i really think it's that organic risk and reward between two friends who could possibly be more well our male main character damon dawson is an orphan who aged out of the system can you speak a little more to how you how you shaped this character Well, okay, so my main theme in this book is about home and finding that home. And it doesn't necessarily need to be the four walls home, but the place and the person that feels most at home for you. And so I had these two best friends, well, technically three, 
three best friends, but they were two thirds of this friendship. And they, they are where you would go to when you needed the comfort, when you wanted to cry and not be judged, or if you just wanted to feel loved. And so when I started to create Damon, I thought, okay, if she is his home, then where was this other physical home? And then it helped me give him an emotional wound about losing a family that he had temporarily in his life. And so then I, and I knew I really wanted to point out the issues that have to do with foster care and aging out because I've heard so many and witnessed so many stories of people who have sought adoption or who have been orphans and then you just get put out pretty much at 18 unless your state has programs to help out you're pretty much like okay you're on your own now that you're 18 go figure out life a place to live a job and a roof over your head without any type of assistance right off the bat so i really wanted to talk about that issue and damon gave me um a vessel to talk about it too yeah because you know i just speaking from my own experience, having to fall back on my parents even after I moved out was was a yeah. pretty regular thing. And and for someone that doesn't have that, it's just horrible. And you're definitely not alone. I know tons of people, including me. I had to go back home at one point in my life. And just imagine you're so young and you're still trying to figure out who you are, what to do in life, and there's no place to go back to. Then what do you do? You know, so you kind of build some friendships and hope that they keep you steady on your feet. And so yeah. that's what Allegra was for him. Well, I have to read this excerpt because it just it just killed me, really. So this is Allegra speaking. Oh, <laughs> when we get home, no more clamming up. That's my stipulation. We overhaul the entire contract for version 2.0. I see you. So you don't get to be the quiet kid in the corner waiting to be noticed anymore. Not with me. Promise me you'll trust me with your worries and I'll be your forever home. Those are my enforceable terms and conditions, Mr. Dawson. Our love is the consideration. Just yeah. uh, stick a fork in me. I'm done. <laughs> I know that part always gets me too, because I just think, God, um, I cried writing that part a little bit, but it just really kind of sealed what they have together and what they mean to each other. It's like, this person sees you for who you are and still loves and cares for you. So you don't need to even be that kid in the corner anymore. You just can just be who you are with me. And so I was like, yeah, oh God, I, I still got emotional just hearing that part. <laughs> I think it says something when an author chokes themselves up when they're, yes. when they're writing it. It, it definitely, it's definitely means they're onto something. Oh, thank you. That makes me feel good. That's like my little tiny indicator. Like if I can evoke an emotion and it's preferably in me, even when I'm so attached to it, then I feel like, okay, I might be on the right track here. And and that excerpt, it's it's not um, too far into the book. And so these these two have such a journey ahead of them. And it's, it's you know, fun and frustrating yeah. as the reader to just be like, you you can say those words to each other, but you still haven't figured this out. You know? I know. I have yelled at the characters a few times because it's like, you're supposed to be together. Everybody knows this, but you all acting foolish. Now just be together and be in love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. But that wouldn't be any fun for a book if they got together right off the bat. So I, I know, right? We have to have, have, to have that, that tension and conflict. Yes. 
Well, yeah. I also I also read your book, Devastated, which released in June 2020. And something I noticed about your writing is you have an exceptional talent for writing steam, yet I wouldn't call it explicit either. So how do you go about just perfecting walking this this thin line so well? Well, first, thank you for reading my books and for this such a beautiful compliment. That is so nice of you to say. Um, with steam and, and explicit sex, I just think they don't necessarily have to go hand in hand as long as there's emotion involved. And that's where it's rooted in their hearts and their emotions. Because I need that in order for the sex to have any type of meaning. So that's what I'm always aiming to do, not just sex for sex sake, but it's their relationship growing with each, you know, time on the page. Yeah, absolutely. That moment when Allegra jumps into the shower with Damon and, oh my goodness, I was just like, where is my fan? The shower scene. Oh my God. I know the shower scene is something else. I do love the shower scene though, because they're even what they're saying in the shower is really emotional, mm-hmm. except for the fact that you're doing all this extra stuff. Yeah. <laughs> it's adult only content in that chapter. <laughs> yeah. Well, listeners, definitely pick up the friendship contract. It is, it is just something extra special. Thank you. Well, next year, Monopoly Love, part one of your new Love and Games series comes out. What can you tell us about this book? Okay, I'm going to give it to you in a little bit of list form that I know is really palatable to people. Classic board games, enemies to lovers, bad first and second impressions, rainy kisses, and sister relationships. That's what you're going to find. A little bit oh. of all of that. Oh, and a whole lot of Monopolingo is what I like to add to. <laughs> okay. Okay. So are, are board games going to be a consistent theme in this series or is the game term going to bend a little bit? Uh, no, it's going to all be classic board games. Um, the second book, I don't know if I'm even going to be telling this yet, um, is about, well, might as well. Uh, <laughs> second book is Trivial Pursuit. And the third one is Clue. Oh, and wonderful. So lots of classic board games. And what I love about them is that, like I used to always have family game nights or game nights with lots of friends. It would be loud and wild and just so much fun. And you connected with people. And I feel like I had read so many books about gamers, but they meant video gamers. And so a little bit of the classic connections were gone and not a lot of people were talking about it. So I definitely wanted to get back to that, to that fun. And just, I mean, you've got like a cardboard on the table with some fake money and people get wild. They get, they're really emotional. They've got their own rules and everybody has some type of story where they can relate, even if they hate the game. Oh, well, I hate it because my brother used to steal the money as the banker and hide it under the board. You know, like there's all these little stories that go with it. And I love that it crosses so many generations of people, too. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I remember several games of Monopoly where it just became it just became a competition of who could cheat more without being caught. (laughs) Yes. All the cheating. You got all these weird house rules going on. I mean, oh, people have like 
dibs on game markers. Oh, I'm, I'm the iron. You can't be the iron. I'm always the iron. And this person came in and stole my iron, like all these little things. And I just love all those stories because they kind of stick with you. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, do you have, do you have a, a story that you can share with us now? A, a great Monopoly story? Okay. Well, my sister hated playing Monopoly with me. It was not really a story. She just hated it because it would take four hours or more. Absolutely. So, you know, she had her little marker. She had all her money. She always lost. She'll deny it to the death, but she always lost. And then she just quit in the middle of it. That's really our, the story. Nobody really wants to play because I'm super competitive. As long as you don't cheat, I will play to the death too. But I'm usually the banker as well. Oh, my, my two best friends and I, we'll, we'll occasionally play a game of risk, sit down, have the time to, to <laughs> play a game of risk, but we never finish because the board gets flipped by someone at some point. And <laughs> that's yeah, always how it ends. So if somebody gets real mad, that's when it's like, you're really playing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love that. Oh, and you know, I saw um, Dungeons and Dragons is coming out with a movie too. So I know that's going to give like a little bit of a rebirth to board games again i love that we saw it in stranger things and then i did see kevin hart is coming out with a monopoly movie my mom totally thought he stole my book idea but i'm like mom i don't own the license to monopoly but you know i'm like hopefully it sparks a whole new interest in the game and my book as part of it i'll be happy to go along with the with the wave you know something about just manifesting these things into the world they just kind of appear around us don't they Yes, I love that though, because we're going to have so such a whole new take with a new generation of love for all this fun stuff. You also do these wonderful Instagram live shows. They are just they're just a treat. So can you please <laughs> tell us what inspired you to do this and what is your favorite part about it? I mean, I just love talking with good friends, authors and readers, and I like the chance for us to connect in a, like a real life setting. I know I can't be physically where everybody is, but I can go live and respond to people's comments and they could see me that I'm a real person and feel like they got a chance to get to know me a little too. So I get to come out from behind the keyboard and I'm extra. So I come from a really dramatic family. My mom has big black hair and wild red lips. She's extra dramatic. So I got a little bit of drama from her. So I might be in a wig. I might be wearing glasses. There might be a tiara. I might pull out a newscaster microphone. <laughs> I love props. <laughs> so I'm always going to try to have fun um, and make it feel like a celebration, like something you want to come to so you can have fun together. So, yeah, I love that. Yeah, I loved the newscaster microphone. That was, <laughs> that was just so great. <laughs> like, uh, what are we? WMKD TV? Yeah, I had my <laughs> microphone with the with the little letters on it and everything. It was so much fun. I'm yeah. off the <laughs> Oh, and it's yes, you you are just nailing it because whenever <laughs> whenever that that Instagram notification comes up, it's like oh. They what started alive. It's like I'm there. I don't. I don't care what I'm doing for work right now. I'm. I'm listening in. Yeah. Oh, I got one coming for sure in October because I have something new coming in October. I'm not allowed to say what yet, but I'll be able to say on October first. So that'll be fun. And then um, I have something else coming in November. So lots of cool stuff coming, and I'll probably be live. Plus, I like to celebrate 
other authors. I like to lift people up and boost them. I don't think there's just like room for one author at the table. I just want to boost people and let's celebrate these good accomplishments that we've had. Oh, well, you've got me on the edge of my seat, definitely, with the, those teases there. So, so yeah, I appreciate that. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, Denise Wheatley told us over here that you also do cover design work. Can you share more about that with us? Yes. And I love Denise. That is Isn't my little buddy. I love her so much. <laughs> She's so fun. Um, yes, I do cover design. I have a cover design company called Dot Covers. I'm on Instagram at Dot Dot Covers. Um, I do illustrated and photographic cover designs. I started with a few indie friends and it sort of kind of grew from there. So now I just, I love helping people have beautiful covers. It, at one point though, like when I was solely indie, um, I just wanted beautiful covers, but I noticed the prices were up there mm -hmm. on a lot of like illustrated covers that I wanted. And I, I had the doodling capability <laughs> with illustrations, but I didn't trust it to offer it to other people initially. So I did it for myself first. And it also helped with my self-publishing budget because, you know, I wanted to spend all my money on editing to make sure I had a quality book for people. I spent my money on editing and marketing. And so I did the covers myself and then I offered it to a few of the indie friends and they were happy. So as long as people are happy and I, I try to get 100% satisfaction. So I give samples first to make sure, you know, I want you to be in love so that you're gushing about your cover and not just like, well, you know, I paid for this little thing here. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so do you do um, do like the spine and back cover as well as, uh, you know, like the digital and, and audio ones? Yes, I do full paperback layout. I do um, ebook. I have done an audio book, too. And uh, yeah, and I do the spine. It's all included in that. Um, yeah, I just really want beautiful covers. And I've done a lot of photographic ones, too. All you indie authors out there, if you need a cover designer, just look for Mia. Thank you. Well, let's get into some roundouts. Early bird or night owl, what time of the day do you feel most productive with writing? I'm definitely a night owl. I feel like I'm a business manager in the morning and a productive author at night, probably because I used to work a nine to five, but that's when I'm most productive. And everybody else is asleep and the house is quiet, then I can really think. How late have you found yourself staying up sometimes, or early, should I say? Oh, it's so bad. Oh, the latest, I think, was like 4.30 a.m. That Was and, was that a deadline coming up, I assume? Um, no, and sometimes it's just me in my head trying to get the words out of my head. It's just so hard sometimes because I know what I want to say, but just getting those words to sound the way I want them to on the page, it's just so hard. Or if I'm really like on a roll and I don't want to stop in case I lose it, <laughs> then I'll just keep going. Are you a pantser or a plotter? Can I say plantser? I'm, you absolutely can. <laughs> I'm definitely in the middle. I plot the beginning and the bones, and then I pants the rest. I, I can't know the whole story yet because then I feel like I already told it to myself, so why keep writing it? So I have to just have just enough to know who the people are, what's the conflict, and where are we going with this story? And that's it. Has there been any time that your characters have just totally gotten away away from you? They just went and did their own thing? Every book. They never do what they're supposed to do. 
they don't listen to me at all. They just come up with their own thing and they're like, oh, well, I'm going to try this. And I just go with it because if it if it invokes some emotion and the story's good, then I just keep going with it. <laughs> it's better than what I came up with. Well, you find yourself stumped on a scene. Who do you call or what do you do? Okay, so first we call Denise. <laughs> and <laughs> here's where I'm at. I'm lost and I think I want this to happen, but can you help? Okay, so, and if she's not available, then I will likely go to my word makers. Um, that's my writing community. I'll go to the word makers in a write-in or something. And they'll help talk me through it. And if that doesn't work, then I've got craft books, tarot cards, reread the scene, or go back to my notes. Now, tell us about the tarot cards, please. Oh, I love tarot cards. Let me just tell you. Okay, I don't know if you know who Lisa Kessler is. She's an awesome author and she teaches tarot for writers. And so I took her class and it's so cool because say you just are like, okay, well, this person just kissed this person. How should they feel next? So I'll pull a card, ask it the question, and then the card basically gives you the answer depending on the card that you give. And it's like, oh, well, you know, I didn't know that was going to happen. She writes her entire books by tarot. It's awesome. That is incredible. And that's, mm -hmm. such, that's such a good idea, just a way to just kind of plant something in your mind. It is, because sometimes we need to get out of our own head. And like, for instance, she used an example where you say the person is, they work at, at a bakery, right? but you've never seen them in the book working at the bakery. They haven't baked anything. So the card will be like, okay, let's get to work and money. So now that's like a scene you need to show them doing the job. Half the time people are like, oh, they're at a restaurant, but they never eat. So, <laughs> uh <-huh. you> know, <laughs> these are things you don't think about because you're just so busy trying to get this plot point out of your head that those little details matter and make it feel more real, more 3D, you know, that these characters are fully formed when they're actually eating and talking or they do something we might do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tarot cards come in, in handy. I will pull cards easily. Well, I think I'm going to use that. <laughs> I think use that. If you have a chance, take tarot for writers. It's so fun because the way she explains each card of the deck because I didn't know what I was doing and just reading the little book that comes with it is sometimes a little daunting. But when mm -hmm. you take the class, it's like, oh, well, let me just go to my notes then. Well, lastly, where can everyone follow you online? Okay, you can follow me at my website is miaheinzelman.com. My newsletter sign up is also on that page. Um, I'm at Mia Heinzelman author on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook, and at Mia Heinzelman on Twitter, and if you, you know, wanted to know about new releases and everything, I'm on Amazon, BookBub, and Goodreads for new releases. And thank you so much for having me here. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so we already have you scheduled to come back next week and record <laughs> with us again. So definitely come back even after that. This has been such a treat to talk to you. I feel so honored to be here. I've watched the show, listened to the podcast. Um, it's so good to to be included here and to feel like, you know, I'm getting a chance to hang out with some greats. Well, listeners, check the show notes and you can find all the places you can follow Mia online. And until the next time, we will see you in the next episode. <laughs>